Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host, J.J. Peterson. Hi, J.J. Hi, Don. How have you been? Fantastic. How are you? You just came in last night from two different private workshops. Yeah, I was in uh, Indiana and then Georgia. And you're here for you're here for like three weeks. I know. That's amazing. <laughs> it kind of is. Are you going to be able that, to get a that little... That has not happened. It hasn't. Since I moved here. Really? Is yep. that right? Yes. Do you haven't been home for three weeks? I haven't been home for three weeks since I've been here. You just bought a house? I did. Yeah. You've been living, let's just tell you, you've been living with me and Betsy. <laughs> yes. Kind of. You're never here, but no. you've been living. Yes. Here. I live, part of my stuff is here and part of my stuff is at the office. I actually went into the uh, to the bedroom that you're using upstairs uh, yesterday. Uh, I think. Oh, you, you flew I'm in sorry. last night. I'm sorry. Well, no, I just thought, well, somebody left their stuff here. No. It was and then I realized, oh, no, JJ actually yeah. lives here when he's here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, congratulations for on the new house. For one more week. One more week. You have a back deck. Yes. You you have a back deck. You have a backyard. I do. You have big shade trees. I do, and I'm planting a lot of wildflowers. Well, I'm, I'm curious. Are you going to be able to? I mean, what will you do when you go home? Do you get some? Because this episode is about downtime. Yeah. It's about white yep. space. It's about creating some silence, some catch up time, some time to be poured into. Yeah. So that you can work harder. Yeah. Do you get so that? that? I don't know if it's so you can work harder. <laughs> that's why, like, that's the only that's reason I would like, do it. Yeah. Yes. You're like, you need to relax so you can work harder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we must rest the slave mind. Yeah. <laughs> or the slave mind will not yes, produce. Exactly. No, but yes, there is this, this episode's all about kind of creating that space of yeah. where you have some freedom away from your tasks in order to actually move your business and your life forward. I think it's critical. Oh, and I'm a guy, and I'm telling you, there's drivers in life. Life, there's mm-hmm. excellence people in and life. And then there's, there's putters like me. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> I'm short, I'm squatty, it just no. kind of goes quick. But you're a natural, you say that stuff. Uh-huh. And then we. my wife does a tennis tournament, and I was like, let's play JJ's team, we'll win. You guys crush us. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're, you're so agile. It's just it's crazy. Mm-hmm, like a it's like puma. you know the robot thing that the teams are now working out against, like the NFL teams. Uh-huh. It's like the robot thing that uh-huh. that's you. You're just like moving around. Like, Can't get away from this thing. <laughs> I don't know about. Well, anyway, white yeah. space. <laughs> anyway, white space. <laughs> yeah, back to back to this stuff. Yeah, no, I'm actually really really excited about having a back deck and a backyard. Yeah, to be able to just sit. Like, just sit. Right now, I kind of, I don't really take the time. I used to go on walks every morning. Actually, when I was my most productive, when I came to writing, when I was writing my book, Mm. in the morning and evening, every day, I would take a walk just by myself. And I would go for about 45 minutes and I would just walk. And so many of my ideas and thoughts that either I didn't have before, like new thoughts came out of that, but also thoughts I'd been kind of been ruminating for a little bit. I was able to really work through and work out and develop on those walks. And that's when, that's when I was my most productive when it came to creating creating new things. Yeah, was I agree. I, I had the same thing living in Portland. There was a year to two years where every morning I'd take Lucy, my chocolate lab, down to the river. It's about a mile to the river. We'd walk up the river about half a mile to a mile, and we'd walk back. And that I'm telling you, yeah. that, that white space is where million miles in a thousand years came from yeah. it's where a lot of you know the thoughts on scary clothes the storyline stuff came from there yeah story brand came from long walks in the blue ridge yeah mountains. being in a cabin yeah, and being, being in a cabin up long in the walks in the blue ridge trying to figure it out and 
you know, our guest today, Juliet Font, is going to talk about how because we don't have white space in our lives anymore, it's costing us. Yeah. It's costing us personally. It's costing our companies. It's costing us money yeah. to not create it. And I agree with her completely. I was thinking about last year. Yeah. And Betsy and I were able to do a lot of fun things last year. We went to Rome. We went to New York. We were in Mexico. We, where else were we? We were in Jerusalem. Yeah. One of my favorite places in the world, uh, Israel, Palestine. We, we were there. And I thought, what was the most fun? Because you kind of want to evaluate. Like, yeah. what will you do again? Yeah. What was the most soul-filling thing that you did? Yeah. And for me, it was ordering a half ton of topsoil and having it put <laughs> in the backyard and taking a shovel and reseeding the lawn. Uh-huh. That was the best. And I was like, what? Yeah. Why? Do you need to open a landscaping business? And I didn't even do that good of a job. It's kind of a sloppy job. But I realized, no, it's yeah. not the topsoil. It's white space. Yeah. It's the chance to do something physical and get your brain thinking and... Yeah, disconnected from your computer and your phone yes. and the daily tasks and just kind of, kind of in essence, do a mindless kind of thing so your mind can be creative. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. And listening to Juliet, she's going to talk about our cell phones and how we're always accessible. And another favorite time of my week or whatever is often on Sunday... I just never pick up my phone. Yeah. And I just love it. I'll go to, you know, go to the garden supply place and pick up stuff and I don't have my phone with me all day I don't have my phone. Yesterday I didn't and it's white space. Yeah. I'm convicted a little bit by hearing her talk. Yeah. But I'm also like because I spent so many years as a writer and you know this, yeah, yeah. you have to do it. Yeah, you have to in order to be creative. I don't think mm-hmm. business people understand it. Truthfully, I would say that as my life kind of gets into a different space of being traveling a lot and doing work, this is something I need a reminder of because I forget. Mm-hmm. You just forget that even just taking a half hour in the morning right. to either meditate or go for a walk or something it just gets you in a space that opens up your mind and allows you to be creative. And I yeah. forget, even though I know this and I've lived it so much, I actually, I would say listening to her, she really challenged me of like, all right, I need to get back to that. I yeah. need to get away from kind of just thinking, because a lot of times I really, we might've talked about this before, but I struggle when somebody says, how are you doing? My first inclination is to say, oh, I'm so busy. Right. Yeah. And, and I don't want to, I don't want to be that guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> just like, oh, you're just trying to say you're important and you know, but but I really, I want to be able to actually give a good answer to that. And yeah. I think being able to take some time and step away allows you to actually reflect on overall life, not just the tasks that are in front of you. Yeah. And the picture is this for us and our staff. It's not just us, not yeah. just people listening. It's the people who work for you, the people yes. who work with you. We've got to watch them too. Yep. Because busy is not a synonym for productivity. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Really, like when yeah. I look back on StoryBrand, because people come to us and say, Boy, you guys, you move so fast. Remember we hired a guy once, and he would come in like every other day. He goes, I can't believe how fast you guys are. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, we're actually not, we're not fast. We just don't get distracted by stuff that we don't do. Yeah, yeah. Right? We turn down money all the time. It's like, well, we don't do that. Yeah. So the picture is your staff, imagine your staff running around in a field, mm-hmm. right? And then imagine they could be walking in a straight line on a path, making progress at half pace. Yeah. Enjoying the walk. Yeah. But we've got them running around in a field. Yep. And how do we stop them running around in a field? And part of it is creating white space. Yeah. And so this isn't just for your soul, you know, although it is, it's also for your company yeah. for, and for the health of your employees. Yeah. To, 
Well, she talks specifically about how this impacts bottom line dollars. Right. Like this is this impacts healthcare, this impacts carryover of vacation days, it impacts productivity. When you actually step into this, the research shows that this will grow your business financially. Right. Not just creatively, not just happiness, but actual financial gain. Well, we should say who Juliet is. Juliet, her name is Juliet Funt, F-U-N-T. She's the owner of a company called Whitespace. She consults all over the world on creating Whitespace in your workplace. She has an amazing keynote. She gets thousands and thousands and thousands. <laughs> of I heard it. It's. I mean, I wish we could just play the keynote, but I mean, it's hilarious. She is so fun, and she's equally as entertaining in this interview. Her father, JJ, I don't think you know this. I don't. Her father was the host of Candid Camera. Oh, really? Yeah. We don't talk about it in the interview, <laughs> but he was actually the host of Candid Camera. That's amazing. Yeah, and, and in the outro, I'll tell one of the best stories I've ever heard has to do with her father and she being on an airplane that was hijacked. No. And it's an amazing story. Oh, I can't wait. And I'm going to tell it in the outro. But for now, here's my interview with Juliet Font. Juliet, great to have you on the show. Thanks so much. One of the reasons I'm excited to have you is because you're, you're going to talk about a problem that we all deal with. You're talking about a solution. Yes. That we all need because we have a toothache that we don't realize is a toothache. Right. But we have to talk about both. We have to talk about the problem, too. It's how we get interested in the solution, right? So if you don't have the hives, you don't need the Benadryl is what That's we say. That's right. That's exactly right? it. The premise is this. Life is not supposed to look the way it looks for most of us right now. So you're talking to a bunch of business leaders. They're very busy. They're glued to their phones. They're working 24-7. You just gave a great right. talk where you talked about uh, they, you know, they're working while they're using the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> they're sending text messages. And life isn't supposed to look like this. There's supposed to be what you call white space. Right. And first of all, I want to know, how did this happen? And what is it costing us? And what in the world is white space? Uh, well, I, I don't think that we used to be this busy. And obviously, cell phones is a major culprit. And people talk a lot about constant connectivity. But I think what we notice more in our work is that there's been a slow cultural shift away from thoughtfulness and toward the value of exertion. So instead of valuing the idea of retreating into thought to find an idea that will turbocharge a business or a company or a project, that work is hard and it's very advanced and it requires quietness and we're afraid of the quiet. So instead we go to a new fuel source, the mm -hmm. source of exertion, and we work harder and we drive harder and we log more hours and we stay connected and we feel as if exertion will replace the gems of thoughtfulness, the outcome of thoughtfulness. And we, in our work, believe that those are not interchangeable and that there needs to be a protocol where culture at work involves a respect for that deep thinking that leads to all the other good stuff that I just mentioned. I mean, you're not a therapist. You're not doing life plans. No, you're actually no, no. going into major corporations to help them, bottom line, make more money. This is costing people. Yes, if you have talent and you pay that talent some money to do work uh, for you, then any wasted capacity of that talent costs you money. And one of the most fascinating things, especially in corporate America right now, is that there are mountains of waste and mountains of unused capacity that are being directed towards stupid, low-value junk. That that's interesting to me. It's, it's amazing. It's and true. the casualness about it is even more amazing, where we're sitting in meetings where we have no purpose, we're answering stupid CC emails, we're filling out forms and writing decks that nobody reads and all that costs money. And business leaders are in a bizarre sort of complacency in almost every company we walk into because they feel that work has to be this way and it's too bad. And so they lament it, but they do not take action. 
what, that's one of the main fascinations. What are low-value tasks, low-value information? We are bombarded yes. with this stuff. Yes. But can you delineate what's important and what's not important? Can you help us understand the stuff that we're engaging that we need to actually stop engaging? Sure. So it's a skill set to learn how to decide everything that you touch at work. Is this tactically relevant to success in my business? Or is this just feeding different needs? So for instance, the things that we classically rattle off are unnecessary meetings, emails, decks, reports, forms, fire drills, complexity, all the garbage. And the larger the company, as you climb the Fortune 500, the more decrapping is necessary. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, say yeah. the decrapification, the more yeah. is necessary because the more junk it is. Whether or not it's high or low value really has to do with the discretion of the user, if you will. Right. But the way that they can slowly learn how to separate is to ask themselves, is this truly of tactical value to my company? Or am I, as an example, sitting in a meeting because I have inclusion needs, or I don't know how to say no, or I'm the boss and I think people feel better when I'm there, but I'm not really tactically relevant, or a million other reasons why my valuable butt could be sitting in a seat for 60 minutes where I have no contribution or benefit from that meeting at all. I'm just serving interpersonal or emotional or cultural messages. Yeah, and quite honestly, I'm just paid to be here, so why not just do this right. instead of this because I get the same pay no matter what. Most people listening have an internal mechanism and they know when they're they don't need to be in that meeting. Or they know when they don't need to return that email. What they don't realize is nobody beneath you does. Because <laughs> you've not trained them to do that. You've not helped them understand how to create some margin in their life. And a lot of people listening don't have any margin in their life. But a as you talked, and, and we heard you give a keynote just a few hours ago, which was standing ovation fantastic. Thank you. Um, I began to think, well, I've got to actually help my staff understand what's important and what's not important. Yes. And say no to low-level tasks, low-level information so that we can all focus. One, so that we can get more done. And two, so that you know when to stop and check out and breathe and think and be creative and replenish so that we are not just a strong company, we're a strong and healthy Company. Right. So you're leading now into a question about uh, recuperative versus constructive is how we would say it. So white space, or we didn't have time to define it yet, but white space is the thinking time, the strategic pause, the interlaced time that's in between the busyness. It can be recuperative or it can be constructive. So in the recuperative side, this is rebooting the exhausted brain and body. But it's actually a very small portion of the business relevance of white space. It's where people's minds go and sometimes problematically where they think, oh, white space must be checking out or goofing off. But there is that recuperative element. The more business relevant piece of white space is taking time to be thoughtful for strategy and creativity and innovation and introspection and big picture thinking and all these things that really drive the direction of our companies that we try to think about while we're running to a parking space or mm. while we're in between meetings or while we're multitasking. And not that's not where we have that high value thinking. You talked about in your keynote, you said, you know, there was a day when you would walk into the boss's office mm. and the boss had their feet up on the table or the yeah. desk and they're looking out the window at the river. And when you saw that, you would sneak back out of the room trying not to disturb them because that's where the money is. Right. And that's gone. Right. Absolutely gone. And a whole generation is coming up that never has even caught somebody thinking at work in their entire <laughs> career. So, but you have to think about the, well, maybe this is a good segue to talk about some of the reasons that yes. that has transitioned because I think 
I mentioned in the keynote we've done research. We identified 33 unique sources of pressure that create overload. But if you broke them down, they're very logical. It's the, everything from the economy to cultural beliefs to senior leadership behaviors. But one of the giant ones that sort of lurks in the middle of the room is nobody has decided to create urgency about fixing this problem. If mm. you have 40,000 leaders who are going to listen to this podcast, I can promise you that reducing overload is probably on very few 2017 lists of top priorities because it just keeps getting buried and we are ironically too busy to become less busy. And so this vicious cycle of being so overloaded that we don't have time to step back and identify the source of the overload is the one that we're kind of trying to throw a wrench into and stop and, and allow people to have some choice. We're going to identify four different kinds of ways we get distracted and four different ways we can deal with it later. So hang on. But, I, you know, I shared with you earlier when we were talking, vacations make no sense to me. <laughs> you said <laughs> that. It's so funny. I'm a driver. My wife loves them. I mean, you know, I married the right woman, right? I'm anchored to this idea of like, we're going to have to stop. Mm. But the only way I justify a vacation is when my wife and I got married, I actually had to more or less take six weeks off. I had to move to New Orleans for a bit. Then we went on a honeymoon and it was six weeks off. During that six weeks, I had some of the greatest ideas mm. we've had. I mean, StoryBrand probably exists because some of that period kind of blended in there. And then the next 18 months coming back from my honeymoon were the most productive of my life. And I realized it's because you rested. It's because mm. you were forced to rest and get away. That is now how I justify vacations. That The only reason this matters is because we can come back more. We can get more done if we just... right. Talk me out of this. <laughs> well, all you Speak need to, to do is go visit our partners at Project Time Off, which is uh, by the U.S. Travel Association. It's an initiative that has done ridiculous amounts of research on why exactly what you just said is uh, completely predictable with vacation. Better ideas, more creativity, better productivity returning to work, amazing reduction in healthcare costs, not to mention, you know, vacation time that is unused spends com uh, costs companies billions of dollars because it sits on the books and rolls over and rolls over. But they have, uh, all you have to do is go to their website, projecttimeoff.com, and they will do the convincing for me. But I will say that I do think that it is very, very hard as a driving personality that you are, and we'll explain that further in a moment, to viscerally know when you're on the leading edge of burnout and to know when the, the beautiful mind that is driving your company is beginning to fray because you're inside of that bottle trying to read the label, right? Mm -hmm. So how do, you, how do you know when you are beginning to become less creative and sharp and effective? Mostly we don't. And mostly it's only by pulling back a little bit do we really see, oh, I didn't know I was tired till my laptop died on the flight and then I fell asleep in the middle of the day. Why did right. I fall asleep in the middle of the day? Because it was the dopamine and the adrenaline, the technology and the connection is giving me a false sense of energy, as giving me a false sense of being actually at my best when really I may be completely fried and have no, no idea that that's occurring. And it makes sense. I, I literally just had lunch with a friend and we were talking about life and he was borderline going to burn out, but he makes some decisions to not do that. Mm -hmm. And I encouraged him by saying, look, Betsy and I, have these three above ground vegetable beds in our backyard. And the first year we had amazing crops, if you will. The second year, mediocre. The third year, terrible. Mm. And we realized it's the soil. Mm. We've just, we've killed all the nutrients in the soil. And everything in life works this way. And why wouldn't you think you would work this way? And you have to replenish this. And there's plenty of neuroscience that shows that yeah. taking breaks and the kind of breaks. In fact, they did a study at the University of Illinois Champaign and they showed that 
Uh, they took Korean office workers. They had them keep diaries about what kind of breaks they took during the day. And not only was it important to take a break, it was important what kind of break they took because if they took a social break or what's called unfilled rest, which is white space, they had a recuperative hit to their brain. But if they took a break to look at Instagram or read something, they didn't have a cognitive break. So it depends even on what kind of break you're taking, the way that your brain can really reap the nutrients, get the nutrients back in the soil. How do you make yourself take white space? I think you just delineated something. What is white space compared to watching the news or reading a paper or Instagram? What is white space? So it's a little tricky because we like to be very non-prescriptive and we let people sort of write their own definitions. But white space for us is a freedom experience where your mind can think about anything it wants. So for us, mostly technology would be a distraction that would kind of cancel out white space. That doesn't mean you can't watch Game of Thrones in the evening to relax, but we wouldn't really technically call it white space. But the five minutes between a meeting to think about what you just heard or 10 minutes on the freeway where you turn off the radio and you ask yourself questions that never have time to bubble up to the surface of your mind or one minute before you respond in anger where maybe you could control that response if you had a moment. Hmm. Those are all the tiny interstitial gaps that we call white space. Well, I love that you've named it because now we can do something That's and the go, idea. I need to get some white space. So going for a walk, resting your brain, turning off the TV, turning off your phone. And remember that this is a work solution. So at work, people get afraid by the concept of, I can't take time for white space. I'm an incredibly busy person. This is why the interstitial piece is so important. It is laced through 10 seconds of white space, five seconds of white space. Mm. For instance, I'm a person who does very, very well on conference calls. I can squeal in from the airport and hop on a call with no notice and do fabulous. But if I take 90 seconds to sit and actually bring to mind the person I'm about to talk to, their needs, their desires, how I can serve them, the call is completely different. Wow. And so it really is just such a, a tiny little insertion of time that's necessary to make a big difference. I'll be back in a moment with the rest of my interview with Juliet Font. Well, we're back to what might be our favorite segment of the Building a Story Brand podcast. It's our marketing mythbusters with Kula Callahan. If you haven't met Kula yet, she's one of our facilitators that goes all over the country working with companies to help them clarify their message. Kula, welcome back. Thanks, Don. And we're going to talk about a myth today that most people believe about their marketing and about their website, about all that stuff. And what is today's myth? Today's myth. People want to sign up for your newsletter. Is a myth. It's a myth. <laughs> Nobody wants to do it. It's a very, very scary myth. It's a waste of people's time and energy to even create a newsletter, in my opinion. I would agree. Okay, why don't they want to sign up for your newsletter? So the purpose of signing up for their newsletter would likely be to grow your email list, right? But if people don't see that that newsletter is going to solve a problem that they have right now, they right. aren't going to sign up for it. And nobody knows what problem your newsletter solves. No one knows. Okay, just think about this. If you're listening and you're, you own a business and you have a newsletter, when's the last time you signed up for anybody's newsletter? I think I was in high school. I think I was too. I think it was my high school youth group. That would have been close to 30 years ago now. I was in high school not that long ago. <laughs> yes, you were, your parents hadn't met. <laughs> but that's a long time. Why? Because it's not that they're not interesting. There may be something interesting. But if you don't tell me what's interesting in the newsletter, I'm not going to sign up. Exactly. Go ahead. What's the solution then? If you're not going to create a newsletter, what do you do? Because we got to get email addresses. That's right. So instead of offering people a way to sign up for your newsletter, you need to give away something that is of tremendous value to your customer. Like an iPad? Not like an iPad, <laughs> because an iPad might not solve what your customer is looking to have solved. Gotcha. So you need to position this 
downloadable asset is something that solves a problem that your customer is a currently specific facing. Problem. So if you're a dentist, you want to see uh, something like five foods that will rot your teeth super fast. And it's not just sugar, as a little teaser, right? And the people download that. Now you've got an email address. And you can honor at people who are thinking about their teeth. Exactly. The great thing about these lead generating PDFs is what we call them is that you want to solve a customer's problem so you, you present immediate value. Mm-hmm. But you also want to be known as the person that solves a specific problem. Because everybody, when you hand somebody your business card, they file it away in a Rolodex in their brain. And you think they're filing it away based alphabetically on your business name. They're not. They're filing it away alphabetically based on what problem you can solve. And so if you have not told them what problem you solve, that business card goes in the junk drawer. Or worse, the trash. Exactly. So if we go back to one of the main ideas that we talk about at a story brand workshop is the idea that clarity is key. It's what this podcast is all about. Clarity is key because humans are designed to tune out information that they deem unimportant. Yes, by design. By design. So if you aren't positioning yourself in a way that resolves some need, maybe it's a primal need or maybe it's some big philosophical injustice that they're facing. If you don't position your brand as a way to resolve that, they're going to tune you out and you're going to be ignored. That's right. And it's happening to most companies, which means the number one thing you can do to grow your company right now is clarify your message. Company after company after company, we meet them. They can't explain what they do in 10 or 15 seconds. And I think within five seconds of somebody going to your website, they should know what problem you solve. Exactly. And if they can't, you're losing money. All right, there's a way to fix this. There's a couple ways. One, if you want to bring in Kula or one of our facilitators into your company to clarify your message, we have a day-and-a-half workshop that will work terrifically for you. Uh, just go to storybrand.com slash private workshop. Or if you want to come to Nashville and spend two days clarifying your message and learning to create some marketing collateral that actually works, register at storybrand.com. So for a private workshop, storybrand.com slash private workshop. Or just to register for a regular workshop, just storybrand.com. Register today until you get away and solve this problem. It is going to persist. And so we need to solve it now. Go to storybrand.com. Kula, thank you. Thank you. Okay. I want to go a couple directions here. One, I want to talk about the four temptations, the four thieves. The temptations we could play, but I'm sure Tim (laughs) could play the temptations, but it's the thieves. The thieves that are stealing our white space and little antidotes a little bit for each of them. Sure. And then I want you to describe what life can be like if we do this. Okay, great. Because it's a really beautiful picture. Thank you. And and these are really four personality types and each of them has a thief. So So you're going to find yourself... I have to be careful. I'm going to interrupt Julia a tiny bit. We have to be careful about personality because the thieves are not really personality typing. You get into that whole personality. Um, There's a whole universe of personality testing. The thieves are forces that drive overload. And they do tend to show up in our personalities, but they also are present in companies. They are present in project plans. They are present in inanimate objects. They are forces is a good way to think about them. So the four thieves, and they will be a little surprising because they're assets that run amok. So they are drive excellence, information, and activity. And what we found when we did all that research about overload is that all the 33 pressures that I talked to you about could be distilled down to four basic essences that are at the core responsible for us being overloaded. And they occur at the moment when drive overgrows its pot and becomes overdrive, and excellence becomes perfectionism, and information becomes information overload, and activity becomes frenzy. And so it is not that the origin of the thieves is negative. It is they are so 
absolutely predetermined to overgrow their pots and overwhelm us with these little tiny winds and stimulation and dopamine mm. and things that keep us tiny and busy and shallow all day long. And they lure us away from the historic wins for our companies. And that's really the temptation of the thieves. It's an amazing revelation. And I'm, I'm curious maybe in another conversation how you figured this out. Because you, you literally listed these four thieves. And at our table, you asked us to discuss them. And everybody at the table knew which one they were. And not only that, they were embarrassed. They were only embarrassed by one. And it was the one that they were. Mm. which is a telling sign, you know? It is interesting. And I knew as soon as you said drive, excellence, you know, I, I really want things to be done very well. I'm a researcher, scholar, so information is interesting. Uh, activity is kind of fun, but drive is me. Mm. Drive Climb is the, me. Yeah. You know, that's the one that I am. And overdrive is the thing that keeps me from white noise. We don't have time to rest. If right. we rest, we'll die. <laughs> we have to keep. It's a cheery thought. We just have to keep moving, and it's you know I, I'm I mean, we're getting therapy here. I'm getting free therapy on, <laughs> on the podcast, but it was really relieving. And I think anybody can listen. And maybe you you need to pause the podcast right now because you're listening on drive with somebody, and just say, look, are you driven? Is it excellence that's affecting your ability to get white space? Which is you know the downside is perfectionism. I'm seeking information or. We just need to be active all the time. It's activity. And maybe let me clarify the, the overgrown manifestations because people might not be identifying until they hear what it looks like. So it is wonderful to have drive. But when you keep climbing the next hill and adding a project and burning your team out by having so many things going on at the same time, that's the negative. I'm excellence and I love perfectionism. I yeah. just It just feels like a dandy cocktail to me to yeah. make everything so perfect. But you can waste an, a phenomenal amount of time perfecting out of habit and for fun rather than perfecting something that's tactically relevant to business. Information, there's so much to read and so much to ingest and dashboards and scoreboards and it's about not having great boundaries as you said before about where that ends. And the activity piece is about almost a borderline manic desire to keep making boxes and checking them off and adding more and more and more and more and more tasks with usually a complete discomfort at any moment of pause that occurs between those tasks to the point that an activity person will hurl themselves into the next to-do because they're so completely mm. out of place in having a moment of thought, even if that to-do is not important. It, and that's it, the and problem at our table, the there was a woman who said, it doesn't matter how much I get done in a day. I go to bed knowing it's not enough. And her thief was activity. Yes. None of this is satisfying if it goes to the negative. Well, we say the culture of insatiability is all around us. So we yeah. are we are in an incredibly distorted lens of where we have permission to be proud of ourselves and our teams and our businesses. And it doesn't we can work sixteen hours a day, we can create amazing things, we can serve people who need us, and we still will find some way to translate that as not enough. And that's about powerful external cultural messaging that, you know, we fight valiantly every day at White Space, but it takes a lot of work. It's a it's a loud megaphone out there. All right, now that we have um, diagnosed every listener's problem, <laughs> you have a bit of an antidote. I do, and it I was do. really it's it really wonderful. So, what's the antidote for drive, which has moved into overdrive? How do we pull ourselves back? So, for each of the thieves, we're going to learn a filter, and the filter is a mental construct that will interrupt the way that we automatically surrender to them. And we're going to do four of them in the form of questions. So, the question for drive is: Is there anything I can let go of? The question for excellence is where is good enough good enough? The question for information, and we'll review these perhaps because they're dense, what do I truly need to know? And for activity, what 
deserves my attention. And what's magical about the questions is that they're so nimble that they can work at the individual level, the mm-hmm. team level, the org level. You can w- look at them one day on your wall and they occur to you one way and then an- another day they'll completely give you a different answer because they're so nimble and flexible. So what we strongly advocate, and if I don't know if we're doing show notes or how we're getting the rest of that information yeah, to will. your listeners, but we can put the questions in the show notes. Print them and put them on your wall. Yeah, we just talked about that. Tim and I talked about that in the office. Yeah, we we literally talked about that. I've heard you talk. We thought we've got to print these out, put them on the wall, and give a little synopsis to the team, and maybe everybody can identify. Yes. Well, here's the other thing that I thought as a leader. You know, is there anything I can let go of? Definitely, as as a guy who's driven. But Tim, close friend and COO of the company, his is excellence, and I've got to help Tim. We've got to help each other. Yes. Where Tim's got to say, hey, Don's going to give in to that. We've got to help him let go of that. And I've got to say, Tim's going to work himself to death pursuing perfection. Tim, this is good enough. And that's a beautiful thought that the thieves can co-support each other. Like yes. the, the opposite thieves can co-support each other. That happens I don't know really how else you change unless your, your staff is looking out for you. I mean, your team is looking yeah, out for you. I love that. I think that that's a beautiful idea. I think that um, it's really hard to do this work alone. That's why we don't really sell or work with individuals. We always want an intact team or a population or a line of business to be doing white space together because it is so important to have a cultural buy-in and a mindset. We talked about that a lot at the keynote, that if you plant tactics without a mindset, it's like planting a plant on the cement. They, yeah, there's yeah. just nowhere for it to, take, to root. take root. Yeah. yeah. All right. What is a lack of white space costing us at home? We've talked about business, and, mm-hmm. it, and it is costing us a lot of money because frenzied people, overdriven people, perfectionist information overload is waste. It's just a waste. That's how it's costing us money at work, and that's why we need to lead people away from it. Also because we need to be good human beings and help them do that. But what is this costing us at home? What is this costing us when I walk through the door and I don't know the value of white space? So there are so many different ways that we pay a price for the pace and cadence that gets absorbed by our bodies at work and then we bring it home. Because that sense of rushing and pushing and distraction Mm -hmm. and cell phone checking, it's just not so easy to turn it on and off. So you walk in the door and the people that love you have been waiting with great anticipation or the dog that loves you or the house that's peaceful for you has been waiting to greet you. And it's really, really difficult to all of a sudden walk across a threshold and become quiet and present. And so what we do, most of us with loved ones, is we pretend to be present. So we walk in and we have a big smile on our face and we say hello. But right behind our eyes, there is this giant machine still grinding with Mm. projects and to-dos and things in the inbox. and It's just impossible to turn it off. So when we learn to practice white space at work, what happens is we become a little bit more comfortable in the pause. We have a little bit more ability to lean into it at home. And you asked about costs, and I think some of the costs at home I could list are, they're myriad, but I think that missing time with loved ones is probably the biggest one, that rationalization to keep picking up a laptop or a cell phone or touching something that's distracting us the type of connection with those loved ones. So even when we're present and we're pushing a swing, but we're doing so again with the phone in our hand, there's a broken connection there. Yeah, you're not really there. And people not know. Not all the way. And they do know, especially, you know, well, everybody knows, but we were talking at lunch. I had a PetSmart client whose French bulldog ate four of her blackberries in a row and she couldn't figure <laughs> out. It's because he, the dog missed her. She's just so sick of her being absorbed in this. You brought this other this, pet into the this house. This other entity, yeah. right, all the time. 
But I think that there's also a theme in terms of our own health and wellness that we don't tend to talk about much because we're a business solution, but the frazzled, exhausted, anxious, stressed out part of our bodies is something that we've learned to sublimate entirely through distraction and caffeine and dopamine and all those wonderful things that keep us running, but it takes an enormous toll on our bodies. And health and wellness is not our area, but you can see when you walk into corporations and you see the way people's faces look and you see how worn they are and you see them all sleeping on planes. Why are all these grown-ups taking a nap at one o'clock in the afternoon? We're just fried, right? So I think there are myriad costs, and I think that the very, very good news is that all it takes is for senior people to start saying, I want my legacy to involve a culture at work that is sane and humane, Mm. and I want my culture at work to involve the concept of thoughtfulness and a pride about ideas. And all it really takes is for senior leaders to drive in that direction. And the the changes are very doable. It's not like it's magical that this can change. And it's not really that difficult to change it. It just needs urgency. It needs energy. Juliet, this is incredible. And I, and I think it's important for us as leaders to understand the value of this. Why are you so passionate about creating white space, both at work and at home? So the white space at work is obviously most of our life, and we think that there is an extraordinary amount of pain in the world at work that we are uniquely positioned to solve. We also mm. think that there is no reason for people to be as miserable, for work to suck as much as it does. It just it's not <laughs> it doesn't necessary. Have to. It doesn't have to. And we would love to help you with that. But um, my passion of white space at home is really about those connections with loved ones. And if I ever had to have that passion cemented even further. It was in St. Louis and I was speaking at the sales meeting and this woman came up to me and she said, "Um, I want to tell you a story. She said, when I was a little girl, my daddy came to me and he said, let's make a picnic and let's go get mama and let's go for a good old fashioned joy ride in the country. And they made ham and cheese sandwiches and pink lemonade and they got the little animal crackers with the white on one side and pink on the other and the dots. and And they took the basket to mama and they said, mama, come with us. And she said, well, I'm too busy, but you guys go and you have a great time. And they did. They had a wonderful time. They drove until the sun went down and they were laughing and singing. And he died two days later. Mm -hmm. And she told me that her mother talked about that for the rest of her life, that she didn't take the ride. Mm -hmm. And I never told the story to anybody for a very long time. And then there was this one day when I was sitting at my own kitchen table and I was working away on my laptop and I'm banging away at the laptop. And my husband was in the backyard with our boys who were then two years old and four years old. And the babies were both naked. They each had their own hose and they were washing the car. (laughs) And he sends me a text from the backyard into the kitchen. It says, it's really cute out here. Do you have a second? And I texted back really fast, sorry, busy. Mm. And then that story came back and it picked me up and I I was so nervous I knocked the chair over because I was just rushing out there to make sure that I didn't miss this. And I think that there is not a mother or father in the world who hasn't said, I'm too busy for you. And there isn't a mother or father in the world who hasn't pretended to watch someone build Legos and really been thinking about a spreadsheet. But if we can remind each other one moment at a time to build in the habit of the pause, it makes it so much more possible for us to say yes when the ride comes to our door. And I, I do believe that no one will ever regret not working a little harder, but I do believe that we'll regret missing that. Oh, I think there's truth to that. Juliet, thank you for helping us understand that life happens in the white space. Thank you for defining it and giving us a strategy to 
uh, engage it. If you want to know more about Juliet Font and her important work, go to whitespaceatwork.com. For me, this is one of my favorite reminder podcasts, just to kind of get back to some of the things I already know. And if you are looking to apply what you heard on this interview immediately, you can go to buildingstorybrand.com slash worksheet to get the worksheet for Juliet Funt on how to get back to a place of having white space in your life. So again, go to buildingastorybrand.com slash worksheet. She's good, right? Oh, so good. I know. Are you it's crying? Such a Did good you? reminder. Really, yes, yes. I, Actually, you know Tim and I in the interview, tears. Yeah. Tim's over here at his computer, tears. <laughs> yes. Well, this morning, Betsy had to leave early. She's going to her sister's uh, bridal shower kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 8 a.m. flight means we're out about 6, in the car by 6.30. It's really nice sometimes to sleep in. And I remembered. I remember Juliet's story. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I'm up. Take it to the airport. <laughs> Here we go. Don't call an Uber. Yeah. It's on me. Yeah. It's on me, baby. Yeah. Want some coffee? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So, yeah, white space. Uh, Betsy, I miss her already. That's going to make me too. She'll be home tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I got to tell the story. Yes. Okay, so her dad is the host of Candy Camera. Now, from the uh-huh. 40s to the 80s, that was reality television. That yeah. was a big deal. So for those of you who don't know, Candid Camera was like a hidden camera show where they'd kind of do some goofy pranks with people. And My family catch... loved it. Oh, I did. I loved yeah. it too. It was amazing. So they're on a flight. Now, Juliet's a baby. Mm-hmm. They're on a flight going somewhere, and the flight is hijacked. Literally, somebody at the back of the plane puts a knife to the stewardess's throat. Oh, my gosh. Takes the stewardess up to the cockpit, gets into the cockpit, and says, this plane is being hijacked. Take me to Cuba. And over the PA system, the pilot says, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please try to remain calm. We have been hijacked. We are being diverted to Cuba. Oh my uh, when it's okay, gosh. I will let you know. Please be calm. Somebody on the plane looks over and sees Juliet's father uh-huh. and says, wait a second. We're on candid camera. Now, they aren't. <gasps> no. They are not. No. <laughs> but, but this woman... Becomes convinced that they're on candy camera. That they're on candy camera. Oh my god! And she god. begins telling people, "This is a joke." Everybody and everybody down. sees him and goes, "Oh my god!" People are getting up out of their seats. They're laughing. They're high fiving. Whatever. Oh this guy gets gosh. up. To, Ladies and gentlemen, you are not on candid camera. I realize I'm the host. You are not on. Can-. Goes to a priest at the back of the plane and says, "You're going to have to explain to these people this is not being filmed." Yeah. And the priest says, "You are not fooling me. You, I'm not in on this." Oh my- <laughs> And they start having a party. Oh the hijacker gosh. comes out of the cockpit and gets a round of applause from no. the people he no. has hijacked. No. Dead serious. Oh, my gosh. They land in Cuba. Yeah. Somehow this guy gets arrested. Nobody's hurt. Thank goodness. Oh, my gosh. And suddenly then the people realize this, no, is, this is real. It's not a joke. And they're mad at him. <laughs> they're mad at him because they're like, you. You of all people. He's like, I'm just a passenger on the plane. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) my goodness. That amazing story. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I would have reacted the same way. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. And then then you can't give in after that. Maybe it has a nice thing and everybody kept calm. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, speaking of good stories, JJ, (laughs) you will not believe believe our next guest on next week's podcast. His name is Alan Heinberg. Yes. He is one of the great screenwriters in the world today. Yeah. He's written plays for Broadway, not for actual Broadway, for off-Broadway plays when he was young. 
He wrote comic books. Yep. And he's written television shows. Yeah. Shows that you might not have heard of. Shows like Sex in the City. <laughs> the OC. Just those little, those little ones that are just kind of indie, indie Gilmore projects. Girls. He's writing the new Wonder Woman. He did this doctor show that nobody's heard of called Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the, so just you know like i said little indie projects here the and there dude, student films he knows really. his stuff yeah clearly and so we actually have a conversation with him about story and how it works but also how it works for a brand yeah and he was so unbelievably insightful. First of all, I was so relieved because he validated story. Yeah, like, I know. Know, the customer is the hero. Yeah. You know, I'm like, yeah. yes, we yeah. know that. We know that. We know that. Yeah, we totally. Agree. <laughs> <laughs> but he's he's so smart. He's fantastic. Anyway, I want to tease you with a little clip from my interview with Alan Heinberg. You're not going to want to miss next week's episode. Here you go. Just take a listen. There's a lot to be said for presenting yourself in a, it's not about us, it's about you and how we can serve you yeah. way. Do you know what I mean? I think so many of us are looking for a kind of ego validation that we do make it about us before we make it about serving yeah. others. And even thinking about the difference between how are we better serving the customers versus how are we putting ourselves out there? I think it's a valuable, it's something to look at. You can't go wrong making it about other people. It's a great interview. Alan is currently writing on a show called The Catch. I think he's like head writer. Yeah. It's on 10 Eastern, 9 Central, Thursdays on ABC. It's a great story. It's a gal who falls in love with a guy, and she's a private investigator, right? Big time uh -huh. private investigator. She falls uh -huh. in love with a guy, and the guy is a con man. Yes. And he's taking her for all her money, uh -huh. right? But he falls in love with her. Spoiler. But, well, it's in the pilot oh okay and so, but then he, it's like the whole shtick right okay yeah but he still loves her and uh -huh. she's got to catch him and he's got to get away from her because his boss is making him cut ties uh, therein lies the drama uh, story of my life it's called the catch because right because she's trying to catch him and she's a catch because she's amazing yeah she's really pretty so oh, she's a catch it. too the double meaning yeah that's, oh, there you go. So good. Only Alan Heinberg. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Only. <laughs> oh, it's so All good. All right. So we'll talk about that next episode. Listen, this has been really fun. JJ, thanks yes. for helping me create white space. In fact, Always. we are literally, when we're turning this off, we go out and we play frisbee golf yep, in, in the, the backyard yep. of our office in the field. <laughs> and we do it twice a day. Yeah. We, we do 15 minute frisbee golf breaks because we understand yep. you've got to create white space. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. <laughs>